Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. Hey, book lovers. It's a new week, and honestly, I am completely unprepared. (laughs) Normally, if I didn't read a book, I would just not record an episode for the week, but this time, I'm going to try something new. Let's just chat. Book chat. (laughs) So, as I said in the last episode, March is a really difficult month for me, and I am doing my best to get things done. I'm not doing a great job, but I'm doing what I can and just trying to keep plugging away, you know? For me, March is filled with a lot of loss, and a big part of that is the loss of my dad. He passed away from cancer almost four years ago, and it was really like adding gas to my already smoldering, um, impending breakdown. (laughs) It was inevitable. I had been sick for years, and I had just barely had the surgery that fixed that, and I hadn't really even had time to process that I was physically feeling better. I still felt like I was broken in that way. And then losing my dad just changed everything all at once. I think otherwise it might have been more of a slow burn into burnout, (laughs) but Instead, it was like being clobbered over the head. (laughs) So I was raised to deny my feelings and to see feelings as weakness. I remember just constantly being admonished when I was a kid for having feelings. And being stoic was always the ideal, just, you know, not crying and just taking it and going through your life. And I'm not built that way. I honestly don't think anyone really is, like, at birth, and I don't think that they should be. Repression is so unhealthy. (laughs) Anyway, I've decided that I'm never going to feel ashamed for my feelings or for talking about what I've been through. I survived it, and I am healing. Anyway, March sucks. (laughs) My dad and I honestly had a rough relationship for a long time. For a multitude of reasons. It was only after he got sick that we got closer um, and started talking as people. (laughs) But my dad and I also had a lot in common. Baking is one. I love to bake. And he taught me how to make these incredible cookies. (laughs) And another thing that we've always shared is a love of books. He read me all kinds of books as a kid. He would read, you know, my kids' books, which were, you know, lots of Berenstain Bears and stuff like that, uh, Dr. Seuss. But he also would read me, he read me, like, original fairy tales, which are pretty rough, like, ending-wise. 
The red shoes in particular terrified me. I was a kid who took, like, dance class five days a week, and the idea of never being able to stop dancing and then having to have your feet chopped off seemed like it was, like, too close to home. Like, it seemed like it could be a possibility (laughs) to my little mind. He also loved to read poems by Robert Service. They were these really long poems that were these tales about life in the Yukon. And our two favorites were The Cremation of Sam McGee and Ice Worm Cocktail. Not exactly kids' stuff, but honestly, they still make me nostalgic, even though it's still not really, it's not really my thing. I'm real picky about, like, poetry in particular, and it's also just very, like, alpha male, like, it's, it's too, too much, too much of that. <laughs> but it always makes me think of him. And what an odd thing to read to kids. But I love it because he would read me anything, and it kind of opened up my horizons uh, as far as writing and reading went, so... I think he definitely influenced me as a as an author as well. <laughs> My dad really did instill a love of reading and words in me, and I'm so very grateful for that. I also have an odd appreciation for spy novels and anything about World War II because he read a ton of those things, and then I would read them too. Books were harder to access back then. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really, I am grateful for that. And I also, there are so many reasons that I am grateful for books, but I think a big one is that they became an escape for me as a kid. They became a safe place and honestly, a way of better understanding the world. I didn't have a lot of guidance and I had a lot of questions that I wasn't allowed to ask. So I tried to figure things out through books And other things, but, like, I was watching, like, MTV. Like, that's not good. That's not how you... That's not how you figure out life. Um, But anyway, I was never, like, a kid who had a special blanket or a stuffy or anything like that, but I've always had a book in my hand. Like, I can even remember being little and having a certain book that I would carry around with me. Some of those I actually held on to and read to my own kids, which I think is pretty pretty awesome. One of them was some, I can't remember his name, somebody's pet dragon or something. And it was, I loved it. And then my kids loved it and we still have it. And that one really, uh, that one's nostalgic, but I can remember carrying it around as a little kid. So I think that books are my comfort object. And recently I kind of realized just how much that's true, kind of made a connection with a a memory And no big surprise, it's also related to my dad. So when he went into hospice, he was in there for 10 days before he passed. My sister and I stayed at my mom's house, and we would go and sit in his room every day. It was exhausting and deeply upsetting. (laughs) I thought I'd be able to talk about it without getting upset, but I still can't. It was rough. I was just beyond tired that whole time on top of the emotional and and just everything. 
So near the end of things, after being up for the entire night before and kind of having my goodbye moment with him, so just completely wrecked, I went back to the house the next night to try to sleep. And I had this feeling that he was going to pass. He he hadn't been conscious for that day. And I don't know. I just had a feeling. And I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't really feel tired at the time. I didn't really feel anything. Like, I have never felt just so completely numb in my life. And I was sitting on the couch, and I picked up one of my dad's books that was sitting on the end table. Uh, (laughs) The Stranger Beside Me, of all things. (laughs) Which seems somehow strangely appropriate. Uh, Anyway, I was holding the book and I was staring at the pages and I even turned one like I was reading but honestly like I just saw nothing I was just like going through the motions my brother-in-law made some comment on how he couldn't believe that I could read a book at that moment and I kind of tried to explain that I wasn't really reading it I just wanted to hold it and I'm sure it sounded insane But I just didn't have the energy to, like, get into more detail or to really give a shit at that moment if he was judging me for that. I don't know. I just unconsciously turned to books for comfort. And there was something about holding it and looking at it and, like, I was curled up on the couch in the way I used to when I was a kid. Like, I don't know. It just made sense in the moment. (laughs) Uh, So this just kind of dawned on me recently. I have been feeling guilty about that for a while, uh, for reading at that time, even though I knew I wasn't really reading or processing anything. I was just, I don't know. But there's no way to explain that to someone, especially if they don't know that grief and they don't have, they don't have the same things weighing them down. Um, There's a lot more complexities than just death and loss in that moment. I don't know. It's taken me three years of therapy and seven years of consistent meditation to be able to even begin to identify and unwrap all of this, so there's no way to explain it to anybody else. I'm not even going to try. And honestly, like, everybody's just focused on their own life. No one cares, you know? (laughs) Judge me if you want, I guess. Books are my safety net. (laughs) They always kind of have been, too. Like, bullies on a school bus were much easier to ignore if I was occupied in a book. I had, like, an hour-long bus ride when I was a kid, and, like, and I was teased and harassed almost all the time. And um, I did find that sometimes if I was reading, they might leave me alone and find somebody else to harass Again, I wasn't actually able to read the book because I was always, like, on guard, but it was a shield. Like, it felt like some amount of protection, I guess. And then reading is just an escape, too, isn't it? Like, sadness and loneliness can be blocked for a long time with magical tales in foreign places. (laughs) Sorry, book lovers. I am kind of a bummer this week. I promise next week I'll have something more interesting. But honestly, I do feel like I'm handling this year better than the previous ones. I have done a ton of work on myself in the past year, and and it helps to actually have some coping mechanisms in place. I've never had those before. 
I've always just shut down and isolated. So I've been doing a lot of walking and running to deal with this month, and I was doing some driving as well until gas prices skyrocketed. Now I'm not doing that so much. (laughs) But because of this, I had pretty much exhausted my usual podcasts, and I was looking for something new to listen to. I came across The Deep Dive with June Diane Raphael, who I love listening to on How Did This Get Made, another great podcast, and Jessica St. Clair. And they just talk about woman stuff. I feel like I'm kind of on the same track as them as far as healing and spirituality. Plus, they're moms, and they're just very honest and real, and they're so funny. It's a really great podcast, and I've been binging that on my runs lately when I don't want to think anymore. Sometimes your brain just needs a break, you know? And sometimes podcasts do, too. (laughs) It's time for a quick break, and then I have a new chapter of Heart of the Storm for you. Be right back. Hey, book lovers. I mentioned in today's episode that I love running. I'm not good at it, but I love it. I also have a podcast about it, the Rerunning Podcast, because I may take breaks, sometimes long ones, (laughs) but I always keep trying. Come join me on my current journey of training for a marathon as well as tips and discussion on living a healthy, balanced life and all of the pitfalls along the way. (laughs) Check out the Rerunning Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and the link is in the show notes for this episode. Come listen to me stumble through life one mile at a time. Welcome back, book lovers. So before I get to the new chapter, I want to talk about my cat, Ed Weird. He's my big, black, fluffy boy, If you follow the Books and Cats Instagram, you've definitely seen pictures of him. (laughs) He is also the most emotionally intuitive cat that I have ever seen. He showed up in our driveway one winter and was just a little handful of fluff with the loudest purr that I had ever heard. And he and I have been bonded since the very first moment. He has been with me through the absolute worst of it, at least the recent worst of it. (laughs) And he always knows when I'm sad, and he will just show up out of nowhere, lay on me, and purr, like he's trying to heal me. And now that I'm doing better, I don't need as much support, and he does it for the rest of the family, too. If anyone is having a bad time, they're sad, stressed, sick, whatever, he is there to love them back to wellness. He is such a sweetheart. In those moments, anyway. He can be a bit of a brat from day to day, but honestly, I don't think I've ever loved a cat more. He is a weird one. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back into the heart of the storm. This week is chapter 44. Enjoy. Nim and Cerise slid gracefully through the water, moving through the darkness with ease. River dwellers did not need their eyes under the water. Their senses were connected to the current. They flowed with it. They quickly left their less skilled companions behind. The sisters soon found themselves gliding along together. I'm sorry. Cerise's voice was a soft whisper in Nim's mind. For everything. I haven't been a good sister. Every time I tried to make it better, I messed it up worse. I wish you knew what was in my heart, sister. 
but every time I speak, I say the opposite of what I mean. My words are poison. I regret we were not closer. I regret that I was so cruel. They glided along in silence. The darkness was oppressive. They were getting closer. Nim was almost grateful for the heavy presence. She didn't know how to respond to her sister's uncharacteristic outburst. It seemed genuine, but her sister was dramatic and emotional, and she never, ever would admit she was wrong. There was a loud rumble deep beneath the floorboards. The walls cracked and the water vibrated with the tremors. The floor split and roots appeared. The current pushed and pulled them along the hallway. With a sudden rush, the sisters were at the small door. The water gushed through the opening, and they clung to the doorframe to keep from being pulled through. She's close, Cerise's voice continued, though her lips didn't move. Nim nodded that she understood. Ready? Her sister's voice was low and rippled away. With another nod, the sisters let go and allowed the water to wash them into the chaos swirling beyond. Nim tried to remain upright. Her abilities were far worse than she'd thought. Her new body was more grounded. It resisted the flow of the water. The water was dark and angry. It sent them swirling around the room. Thea's remaining monsters popped up occasionally, and the ones that still could fought them viciously. Their movements were frantic and wild. They didn't seem to really understand what was happening. Most fell easily to the powerful sisters. There was a flash of purple, followed by a strangled scream. The sound hissed through the water in a stream of bubbles and wrapped itself around Nim's arm. It burned terribly, and she swatted at the bubbles. The distraction pulled her focus long enough for her to lose control of her body, and she was swept away from Cerise and plunged into the darkness. Another flash, another hissing scream. Cerise cried out. The sound pierced Nim's mind, and the pain made her curl into a ball. She sank to the broken stone and roots at the bottom and remained there. Rhea rolled and bounced off the walls as the water swept her away. Somehow she could breathe. She didn't have time to really question it, but she was grateful. She was a woman of the earth, and the water frightened her. It was a strong magic that she did not understand, and Rhea had mastered most of the great magics in the valley. She slammed into a wall, and she pushed off awkwardly and clawed at the water. She had watched the sisters glide effortlessly away. They made it look so easy, but Rhea would never get the hang of swimming. Someone grabbed her arm and stopped her graceless progress. She turned to find the dark-eyed, tattooed boy who had accompanied Nim's sister. His iron grip dug painfully into her arm, but she didn't fight it. She was staying in one place and right side up, and at that moment, it was everything. A low rumble shook the walls and the floor split. Massive roots broke through and stretched down the hallway. Rhea smiled. She locked eyes with the boy, and he was smiling too. It was working. Rhea didn't know the young man's role in the plan, but she knew he must have one. His tattoos were vaguely familiar, but she couldn't quite place them. It was difficult for her to think underwater. While she could breathe thanks to her sister's magic, she was lacking something from real air. 
Her head was foggy and ached painfully. There was pressure growing in her head. Kevo had his body wrapped around the doorframe. His legs were braced against the wall, and he gripped the door with one hand. His entire focus was on keeping his grip. His fingers were digging into her arm. He could tell it hurt her, but she nodded encouragingly and didn't fight him. He had to do something. Fast. Danger was coming. Not the main danger. The River Sisters would have to deal with that one alone. But he could feel something coming their way. The water was heavy with it. His tattoos started to glitter. The blue grew more vibrant and defined. Tiny pinpricks of gold glowed under his skin. The golden light streamed through the water, slicing through the darkness. For a moment, the world seemed to hold still. A held breath before the deep dive. The roar that followed shook the water around them. The walls cracked and Kevo's fingers slipped from Rhea's arm. He lunged for her and missed. She was swept across the hallway and slammed into the opposite wall. She reacted immediately and launched herself off the wall as it fell away behind her. She came hurtling straight for Kevo and knocked him back into the room. They tumbled into the room in a heap. Rhea freed one of her arms and gestured to the door. It slammed shut with surprising ease. As they separated, another roar shook the walls and made the water bubble around them. Another sound followed. It sounded like a scream lost to the sound of rushing wind and water. Another roar and more crashing outside the room. Kevo pulled Rhea back away from the door, and they took refuge behind a toppled bookshelf that had become wedged in one corner of the room. The water began to vibrate. The sound grew and grew. Rhea could feel it in her bones. Bubbles formed all over the room. They were tiny at first, little specks of silver, but they grew rapidly, joining together to form bigger bubbles and quickly banishing the water from the room. In a very short amount of time, Kevo and Rhea stood in a damp but empty room. They looked around in confusion. Their wet clothes and hair clung to them and dripped puddles onto the floor. Kevo looked questioningly at Rhea. What just happened? He expected her to know. He didn't know her role in the plan, but she gave off an air of importance. Rhea recognized the look. She was used to having all the answers. She felt deeply uncomfortable to realize that this time, she had no idea. And that is the end of chapter 44, book lovers. We're getting close to the end of Heart of the Storm, and I've actually started to plot out book two in the series. And uh, I'm excited about it, so stay tuned for more of that. And I promise next week I will be in a more chipper mood and have something more interesting to talk about and maybe someone to talk with. We shall see. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading.